Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald, and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. For listeners who have been tuning in regularly, you've probably noticed I've got this little spiel off the top where I'm asking people to go over to YouTube. I have a channel over there, Life As A, dot, dot. And basically, it's just highlights from the main audio versions, from the podcast versions of these talks that I have with these great guests. And the reason I'm plugging it so hard is that I think this content really does matter. And I want to get it in front of people. I want to get in front of youth, people that are still undecided, who just don't know what they want to do with their lives. And I think this platform, you know, One YouTube, offers that opportunity kind of get up close and personal with some of these guests in a different format. And if you're just not into audio, if you're not into podcasting as a whole, that's fine. That's okay. Well, you can still digest the content in a different way. I would encourage you, if you do know somebody who's looking for that career, looking for some ideas, direct them over to lifeasa.dot over on YouTube. You know, if they're into videos, they might just find what they're looking for over there. And while you are there, hey, I would always appreciate a like or subscribe. It's the best way to let that algorithm know that the content matters, that it should be put in front of others. Well, I do thank you for letting me ask this of you, but I think it's about time we get into today's episode. What do you do when you're diagnosed in your youth with a rare disorder that doctors know will probably land you in a wheelchair by adulthood? Well, I got the answer for you. Naturally, you reject this. You become a teen rugby captain. You go on to compete for your country in triathlons, and you build a professional expertise, reputation, and a couple of businesses in the fields of sports science and human optimization. Well, that's kind of the backstory of this exceptional guest I've got lined up for you today. His name is Luke Taylor, and you're going to learn all about his story and a bunch more. We're going to get up close and personal with Luke about entrepreneurship. You know what it's like running businesses within this realm of human optimization and sports science. What were some of the challenges, some of the opportunities? We even get this really insightful look at what it's like running a business with your life partner. And even we have some discussion on the topic of technology and what role that's playing in terms of it influencing our ability to improve our health. Beyond all that, Luke shares this mind-blowing story which connects up to the mission that he's on right now, the mission of his life and the mission of his business. So all up, I mean, this is a really, really fascinating talk you're not going to want to miss. But I think it's about time we just jump right into it. So let me more formally introduce him to you and we can get started. Luke Taylor has spent the last 13 years honing and delivering the innovative tailored four-pillar model through his long-standing commercial business, Tailored Health and Performance. Luke's passion for creating a practical path to vibrant well-being stemmed from being diagnosed with Elos Danos at four years old and told he would be wheelchair-bound as an adult. Now, in response, he created a comprehensive model of wellness that bridges the gap between the latest scientific discoveries and the commercial application of advanced holistic health practices to serve the health and human optimization market. And Luke has worked with many international high performers, including athletes from the New Zealand All Blacks and multi-adventure sport, 
as well as C-suite executives at multinational companies. And he is known within the industry for sustainably extending the edges of human potential. Luke is passionate about preventative health and empowering everybody to achieve their highest level of cognitive and physical performance, and here's the key part, without sacrificing health span. Now, Luke is currently in the process of completing his award-winning master's research on nootropics and is deeply curious about precision therapies. And with all of this noted, here is my conversation with Luke Taylor. Yeah, so welcome to the program. How are you doing today, Luke? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, looking forward to this talk. Just to, uh, to let listeners know, I was fortunate enough to speak not too long ago with your business partner and life partner, Rachel Kelly. So I think we have some interesting dynamics to explore within it all. So uh, why don't we? And I do have this first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my listeners know, it's a segment where I just read off a definition related to what the guest does. And I went with the term wellness. And I'm going to tell you here, it's really, really basic. And I intentionally went with a really basic definition based off of your experiences, you know, your businesses that you run. I'm thinking that you might have some thoughts on this maybe the fill in the blanks for us. So let me just read that off for you and you can comment. Does that sound okay? Absolutely. Okay. So here we go. Wellness. Wellness is a state beyond absence of illness, but rather aims to optimize well-being. That's it. What do you got? Yeah. Wellness is yeah such a catch-all kind of term, right? And we hear it a lot in my space. And it's a term that has just been overused. I think the misunderstanding around its actual intent, and I think by giving that definition, I think it's quite good um, because too often people think wellness is pretty much beating their bodies up for the most part. Like it's either being on a really strict diet or being on or training really hard, where they're up at early hours of the morning training really hard and then maybe two trainings a day. Like oftentimes people mistake what they see, you know, top athletes do or uh, high-performing people because they see the highlight reel on Instagram or social any social media and they think, okay, that's what wellness is. But nobody sees the, the creep in between. Uh, there's, there's health creep and there's illness creep. So you're either going on one way or the other. Uh, we're all aging and you're either aging slow or you're aging faster. So I think the key thing that people need to remember is change takes time and you're, you're picking your trajectory. So pick a trajectory you can sustain. Uh, we talk about real health is slow health. Often people just focus on, you know, that highlight reel and just go hard for maybe maybe a month. They, they might they might be able to sustain it for about a month, maybe two, and by six months they've fallen off the wagon and generally gone on the opposite end of the spectrum because it was too hard. So I'm just going to have that donut. I'm just not going to go out and train. Uh, yeah, it's just the simple things that are missed. Yeah, no, I really like that. You know, and that part of the reason I was drawn to, to this definition, of course, is your background being sports science and optimization, human optimization for that matter. And in terms of your companies, you know, tailored technologies, tailored health and performance, this might be an opportune time to, to learn about them, to hear a little bit more for, for listeners to, to gain a better perspective on what you do. I mean, I certainly introduced you off the top, but uh, maybe you could add to that. Yeah. So we firstly, I started tailored health and performance I think it was 12, 13 years ago now, and that's a holistic health hub where we go across mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, and movement. We have a team of specialists that wrap around the individual. But where I spend most of my time today is obviously helping support that, but also predominantly in the uh, retreat space and the one-on-one like executive and high-performance space. 
So we do very immersive retreats where we're bringing in clinical diagnostics, wearable technologies to deeply understand the individual and help optimize their potential. And we take that a step further with our one-on-one coaching as well, where we're doing that same thing, really taking that deep dive and understanding who each individual is biochemically, physiologically, and mentally as well. It all comes into this pool. In terms of, I guess, getting to know the types of roles and responsibilities that you hold, maybe we could kind of skip on over to this other segment, a day in the life. And it's nearly an impossible question for an entrepreneur. (laughs) I always kind of like preface this question each time with that. But all the same, I'm still going to ask it. I mean, what what takes up most of your your time on a day-to-day or even week-to-week basis in running both of these companies? Yeah, so I guess the big part is walking the walk. So making sure that I'm living a healthful life. So really focusing on doing the right things throughout my day. Uh, So my day is scattered with a whole bunch of health practices to help support my optimization so I can do do my best work. And I really focus on, you know, unlike most entrepreneurs where they focus on quantity over quality, I focus on the quality over quantity. So really structuring my day in an intentional way to ensure that I get the most out of the time that I spend so I can apply the rest of that time to making sure my life is optimal in all areas, not just work. A day in my life, it's setting up for the really rigid morning routine, which is pretty consistent. That starts with getting in an ice bath, for example. Uh, That is my non-negotiable every single day. I jump in the ice bath and following that up, I do some strength exercises, balance work, and that kind of alternates throughout the week to what that is. It could be a cardio day, depending if it's strength or cardio. Following up with some stretching, uh, meditation, I have to really think about this because <laughs> it's such a long morning routine. It's it's all automated, right? It's yeah. not something I have to think. It's just part of my life. And then, yeah, I, I generally get into the day after about 90 minutes of awake, being awake, um, after I've done the ice bath, workouts and all that. And then I'm really rigid with my deep work block. So for me, it's from once I drop the kids off to school, it's 9 a.m. to about 12 p.m. is a really solid block for me where I will be extremely rigid between that nine and 11 and that 12 depending on if I'm getting into a good space of flow I still have that heavily blocked out and that's every single day unless you know I'm doing something like this but for me it's very rigid between that 9 and 11 and sometimes to that 12 one o'clock ish time uh, I do not book anything that I, I don't want to prioritize as my time to get into a deep flow state so I have a whole bunch of practices which help me and train that flow state, if you've heard of that term of the flow state. Yeah. So then that, that's kind of the basis of my morning. And then in the afternoon, I will generally go, another thing I struggle with that not many people know about is I have had a series of uh, head injuries, um, traumatic brain injuries. My first one was about three and a half years ago now, maybe four. And I just had another one just under a year ago. Oh, wow. So my afternoons are generally a little bit lighter and that's part of the reason why I have to structure my day in the way I do. So my afternoons will generally start with a meditation, a nap, and then I will go into more shallow work where it's responding to emails, calendar bookings and things like that. So it's really trying to be intentional about the way in which I structure my day. Then obviously the kids come home uh, and then try to have family time and yeah, that's pretty, I suppose that's my day. Yeah. Well, there's a key word that uh, I'd like to center in on that was intentional that you just mentioned. And it sounds like to me, like the way you structure it is it's very thoughtful. It's very deliberate and in, in knowing yourself and, and understanding what you need, you know, to, to function and what your business needs as well, you know, and, and just 
optimizing, 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 optimizing. There's one other thing too I'd like to, to draw reference to that you started out by explaining how, you know, you need to walk the walk in terms of like what you're preaching to your clients, you're actually living. Is that sometimes a, a challenge for you? Yeah, there's definitely a challenging element to it. But to be honest, I, th- I thrive off challenges. Yeah. And that's what really lights me up. And I think from my background of being a high-performing athlete, something that's ingrained into me from a young age, I was, I've always been kind of an athlete. So for me, structure is important. And I think oftentimes people think success comes from these little moments where it's, it's, it's a series of moments. There's all these little things that stack upon each other, these little one percenters. So I'm going to be really intentional around how I structure my day in that regard, because I know that those little things are going to stack up and make a profound change to not only my life, but my family's life and my client's life. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I brought that up as well is the fact that like, I think it, it humanizes it as well, because I think we're, we're certainly not robots. I mean, there's days where it's a little bit easier than others, I'd imagine. And even for somebody like yourself, who's as structured as it sounds like you are. I'm sure there's times or, you know, as you'd mentioned, like a call like this is interrupting your day perhaps, but you know, there's certain things that happen and uh, like you just mentioned, you know, still like these little moments and how we sort of navigate them and pull them all together is what sort of leads us to success. So I think it's it's a nice thing to to draw reference to, at at least in my mind it is. And I'm sure it's helpful for listeners who maybe are, you know, similarly minded to you, but might get hung up if they can't fulfill all of their structured sort of outlines of what I have to do, I got to do this, 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 this. And if they get knocked off course just a little bit, it wrecks their day when it really doesn't have to, you know, like life happens, things are going to come along that, you know, we have to navigate it in certain ways. Right. I think that's an important thing to point upon is oftentimes, again, it's like the highlight reel where they see the way in which I live my life and they think, Oh yeah, that's not a human approach. Right. I can't do that because they're doing all these things, but what they don't see is, the years upon years that I've stacked habit upon habit upon habit. And the one thing that we talk about is pick one thing and stick to that. Have that one negotiable first thing in the morning because that's when motivation is at its highest. Um, So for me, my one non-negotiable is the ice bath. I don't always do the workout because I may have overtrained the day prior or I may have an injury or maybe sick. That will be the thing that will go for me, but um, I'm always going to do the ice bath and it may jump on the bike and just spin my legs instead of doing my strength workout or I may not do anything. It's understanding that there are nuances to it and I am human too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I really like that. And to, to share one more thing really quickly on this point, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I had your business partner on not too long ago and speaking with her. And at the end of that call, she, she'd asked me a question to kind of like, it hit me, it hit me from a, a side angle here. And she's like, Chris, are you... You, you look a little fatigued. Is everything all right? And it just sort of hit me because like I've been very structured as well. Like I like exercise. I like being, you know, out and doing a lot of different things. And I certainly have a busy schedule, you know, with this podcast, with a lot of other things. And I didn't even realize that it sort of added up. You know, I'd been like, oh, I got to get my runs in. I got to get my runs in. And I think I'd been coming off like two days of long runs. And it didn't really even strike me that like, yeah, maybe I was a little bit fatigued, but it got me thinking that, okay, well, maybe I do need to adjust my schedule a little bit here and not be as rigid at times because there are moments where, you know, you push a little bit too hard and it's going to be to your detriment. But anyhow, I did want to throw that in there. Yeah. Just on that, the way in which we know, and I think, I think gives people a lot of solace in the fact that that they aren't ready to do what they're doing is by augmenting that through technology. So that's a big part of what we do is we bring technology to help give people the 
what we refer to as bioliteracy, so the understanding of your own biology. And that can be really powerful through use of wearables and clinical diagnostics to kind of deeply understand what their body's trying to tell them. Because I think in this day and age, we're so distracted by all the different things we need to do on our ever-ending list, you know, this 24-hour cycle where everyone wants instant responses. We find bringing technology into the conversation to help augment your journey, your health journey is extremely powerful to give you the understanding that, oh, my heart rate variability is tanking, my resting heart rate is shooting up. Okay, my autonomic nervous system's not enjoying what I'm doing. I'm doing too much. I need to kind of sit back and reassess what, what do I leave out today? So it can be a really powerful way to, you know, we call it the human lie detector. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. That was it for me. My HRV heart rate variability was getting a little bit low there. Maybe we should skip on over to another segment here. And this one's called Pathways. And researching for this talk, I mean, I was fortunate enough to find a podcast that you run, Tailored Health Podcast, in which you open up about your personal and professional pathway into the work that you're presently doing. And there was a lot of things I could highlight in, you know, what I, I took in from that. But I kind of want to go with like a broad perspective here. You have a lot of life experiences, you know, your career, your personal pursuits, health, wellness, and science, and how all of these things intersect. Maybe you kind of like briefly bring these things together to, to show how you ended up within the space that you're in right now and, and with the mission that you have right now. Yeah, so long story short, I've been looking for answers for my own, my, myself, my health journey. I think you'll find with most health practitioners, we're generally been on our own journey, trying to find our own answers. Because too often times I find with the medical system, kind of fall through the cracks if you're a complicated case. And for me, that was my case. So when I was four years old, I was diagnosed with a flexibility disorder known as elostanos. So what that essentially means is I'm ligamentously mobile, so I can get into weird positions, which makes me extremely injury prone and a lot of kind of tissue-based kind of uh, ligamentous issues. So I chose like a classic Kiwi that I am, uh, rugby, as my sport from 4 to 21. Not the best sport. Yeah, as you do. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's a curious choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's a choice that, you know, it's like, I, I question now why I did it, but I think it's just that classic thing as a Kiwi, you just want to be an all Yeah, as a child, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up where you grew up as well, that was, that was the sport, right? So. Absolutely. Uh, so I played rugby to quite a high level and pretty much had every injury under the sun. I was in and out of specialist offices and really got a taste for what the rehab side of things brought to it. And it's something that I grew a great passion for because I rehabbed so many injuries myself over the years. And it all kind of came to a head when I was 21, where I pretty much did every injury and I was pretty much strapped head to toe. I Brain both ankles so many times, I created bone spurs, I did overuse knee injuries, I did my left SIJS lower back, separated shoulders multiple times, dislocated elbow, and broke both wrists. And that was just in one rugby season. <laughs> and I was captain, so yeah, I strapped myself head to toe, played the 80 minutes, and yeah, at the end of that season, couldn't walk really without pain, uh, let alone run. And run running for me at that point was a mental health thing. Like That's how yeah. I, you know keep myself healthy and I didn't really have the holistic practices that I have today and it's kind of what sent me on the the journey of better understanding at this time I was a, a rehab specialist in the face of movement so I was helping people through movement uh, rehabbing them I just done my bachelor's at that point 
and or just finishing it off at least. And yeah, I was doing everything I should be doing. Like everything that this, a movement specialist would provide or a rehab specialist would provide, I was doing it and not getting any success. And it wasn't until I kind of, you know, went to specialist after specialist and they kept saying, you're just going to have to pick up a sport like swimming. This is just your new reality. And I'm, I, I was never going to accept that. So I dove into the literature and identified I had a number of underlying issues that were holding me back. And yeah, it was in particular, it was my mindset wasn't right. My lifestyle wasn't right. Nutrition wasn't right. I was doing everything in movement and it was just a disaster really. So uh, yeah, too much stress, poor gut health, uh, eating the wrong things for my body. Long story short, it was a disaster of inflammation. So did all those things, got myself back running again after about three years and then proved it all by picking the hardest sport I could think of, which was Ironman. Wow. And then I pursued that for a few years, raced in that and yeah, proved that it can be done. Completed Ironman and um, ended up getting quite competitive in that and representing New Zealand for that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's quite, quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's an yeah. accomplishment for anyone to even just entertain the notion of doing it and competing and completing probably an Ironman, but to be, get to the level where you're representing your country. Wow. That's a whole different, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was one of those things like you talked about how it kind of applies to me is I always use myself as N equals one. So like when you're talking about science, you're always looking at, you know, against a whole bunch of numbers, but I want to test things first and foremost before I help others do it. Because I want to I want to have the understanding of what it takes to achieve that thing. And I don't want to tell people to do things that I won't do myself. So I'm the, I'm the test dummy effectively. Yeah, yeah. You know, this might be a nice point to, uh, to dive into another segment here, Q&A Discovery. And on the heels of what you were just sharing there, I understand that you have this tailored for pillar model, which is a philosophically defining element of your business and probably what you learned along the way and what you were just explaining. Maybe you could dive into that for us a little bit and how that relates to human optimization. Absolutely. So yeah, I kind of, yeah, like you said, alluded to it before. Too oftentimes, like I said at the start, as people will focus on that, that intense diet or overtraining to kind of lose weight or to, to get healthy which is like what we, we refer to as short-term success. You, you will see some success, but it won't be sustainable. And in the most, most often cases, you'll end up putting on more or being less healthy because you overtrain and exhaust your body and mess your skating rhythm up or whatever host of uh, illness you start pushing yourself towards. What I created a while back now when I was obviously in that journey of trying to get myself back running was, yeah, the four-pillar health philosophy, which is mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, and movement in that order. And it's really important that we address it in that order. Don't focus on nutrition and movement like most people do. Take a step back and focus on mindset first, which is making sure that you're not sabotaging yourself in any way. You've really got a growth mindset. You're disciplined and actually doing the right things. And I'm not talking about motivation. I'm talking about more discipline than motivation because motivation dwindles. You've got to have a really structured approach to what you're doing and then creating a lifestyle around that and how you act in your life. So this is where we talk about that intentional lifestyle. So making sure we're getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, doing the, the small things each and every day and not seeing it as a short-term uh, rigid diet or something that you can sustain for the rest of your life. Like I said, picking that one thing to kind of apply in your life. Then once you've got those two sorted, the nutrition and the movement just fall into place a lot easier. And it's easier to kind of 
plug those into that that model and really start refining it and start seeing the the real successes through those fine tunings of that nutrition and the movement. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I think a lot of people, like you said, they jump right into just like the, the the fitness side of it and they set themselves up for failure by not addressing that mental side of like what is actually realistic from the get-go? What can I actually sustain? You know, and that's the big misstep really, I guess what, what you could call it. And again, it kind of returns to the point of just a holistic look at your health, including the mental aspect as being a major driver of the the physical side of it all. So yeah, I like that. And it fits in with certainly a lot of what you do and uh, your own experiences there. I've got this other question. I mean, off the top, I did mention that you you work with like top tier athletes, New Zealand, all blacks, multi-adventure sport, professional athletes, but you also work with C-suite executives. What I'd like to know is like, what is the difference there in working with such diverse individuals, professionals from completely different realms? Like, is the crossover that distinct or is it kind of blended? Well, what would you say to that? Absolutely blended, to be honest. Why I work with them is because they've got discipline and they didn't, didn't get to the top level by uh, faking it because they've, they've done the time. So they know what it takes to be successful. So I, I refer to them as all as high performers, regardless of being an elite athlete or a top level executive. It's, it all requires the same amount of work, just in a different kind of capacity. And yeah, so I treat them very similar. For the most part, same things apply. And the same things that give the lead athlete success gives executives success. And it's really getting those fundamentals sorted. I think oftentimes people think wellness or health is, I think they beautify it a lot. You know, it's got to be the, the latest and greatest tech or the, the most, most recent science breakthrough. But it just comes back to the fundamentals at the end of the day, really making sure those are strong. And once we've got the fundamentals sorted, then we can start having some fun because we, I, I do a lot of, you know, biohacking and all the kind of fun tools. But I think too often people latch onto those because that's what is on social media. That's so cool. And it's going to give you so much results. But people forget if they don't have a fundamental foundation, there's no point layering on tech above that. It's, it's like a upside down pyramid. It's not going to give you sustainable success. Yeah, that's a really good point. A really good point. And I think it also even relates to some of the wearable tech. Like people get really keyed in on that at times. Like, oh, if I get this, it's going to tell me everything what I need to do. But the actual follow through on it and actually following the programs or, or leveraging the information that some of this wearable technology you know, provides is the key. And the only way to do that, as you've mentioned several times at this point in this conversation, is having the foundation there, the foundation in place to allow this to, to really you know, grow and, and uh, to work for you, really. Okay. I have this other question as well, and this is one that's uh, quite compelling to me. Again, to bring listeners up to speed, I did have Rachel Kelly on not too long ago. And when her and I were arranging, we'd been introduced through a mutual friend. She had a counter proposal for me, which was to have you on the program as well. And uh, in, in learning about your background, it was a no-brainer. Obviously, you, what you've just shared already you know, is, is quite helpful for listeners, I think. But she shared something in our correspondence that I just want to read off for you. And I'd like to get your comments after, if that's all right. Sure. Okay. I think there is such power in respecting that great vision requires amazing support. A lot of young people feel they have to do it all themselves, which I think is a fallacy and feeds into burnout. Some of the most unwell and unhappy people I meet are either startup founders or CEOs. Again, I find this really compelling in terms of this look at entrepreneurship and what it represents. And what would be your comments on this? Yeah, so I think 
partnership is such an important part, both in life and in work. And we're really lucky in the fact that we blend really well together and, you know, we're very aligned in our values and what we're trying to achieve in this world. And that comes through communication. Too often times people let what we refer to as dust. The dust just builds uh, all these little things that people just don't talk about and they just push down and like, ah, oh, I'm not going to address that because it's uncomfortable. We have the uncomfortable conversations up front before, before that dust builds up to a point where, you know, one of us blows up or gets frustrated that we just need space. So we just make sure that communication is clear between us, but also understanding how in which we both receive communication as well. I think a key thing that we do with a lot of our, in particular, this is probably more in the executive space, less of the athletes, because they're digesting a lot more information, much like what we have to do as business partners, is looking what your skill set is around absorbing information. So for me, you give me something to read and to interpret through reading, no chance. My read-write is extremely low. Uh, I, I really need, or and my visual is extremely low as well. I need kinesthetic. I need audio. That's how I learn, where she's the complete opposite to me. I need to write down my thoughts to her, where she can digest it through read and write. So this assessment you can do to assess where you sit, which is the VARC assessment. And we find this extremely powerful for us and our executive clients to understand not only how they learn, but how maybe their team learns or whoever they're working with really learns. And, and also how you best teach as well, because it can be a really powerful tool. Like For me, I've got dyslexia. So I struggled right through school. And it wasn't until I left school and found out that I actually could learn massive amount through audio. It just changed the game. And that's where I found podcasts, audio books, and, uh, and found tools in which help support that. And I think that's a bit of a game changer when you're talking about a partnership because you know how you're going to best receive information. Yeah, uh, that's a really nice point to, to draw reference to, you know, especially in terms of like business. Obviously, you just mentioned, you know, business partners life partners, you know, communication being absolutely essential. And I'd imagine, you know, on a personal front, it must be critical, you know, for, for you guys running these companies together, you know, you have the personal space, you have the personal relationship, but then also you have the business one. And if you are not like hitting on all cylinders within that realm of communication, I'd imagine it could lead really quickly to some trouble you know, or, or struggle there. So yeah, it, it would seem that you certainly have a strategy in place for that. This other question too, and it might be a bit of a personal one. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. But in terms of like the the challenge at times, I imagine there must also be some challenge to having a business you're operating together and working very closely together. And despite having great communication strategies built in place, what would you say to that? I mean, there must be moments. Yeah. So, like, firstly, nothing's off offline for me. Like, yeah, it definitely bleeds, right? And especially when you do something that you absolutely love and lights you up, we often, we fuel each other. Yeah. Where, because we're both just, we love what we do. We don't, like, it's not a, doesn't feel like a job to us. And I think that also something that helps as well. If we were doing something that we didn't enjoy, I think it would drain us. But the fact that we love what we do, it gives us energy. But we do also need to regulate that to some extent. Even though it gives us energy, we do need to have boundaries in place for knowing when, is not the right time to have the conversation and making sure that we're very understanding of that. And, you know, we, we have other tools in place where we have clear delineation of whose strengths are what. Uh, so when she takes that and then I'll be a supporting side to that and then 
So it's, it's not, not this one alpha and a beta. It's like we're both alpha in different things and we're both going to bleed that line. And But yeah, the separation is really important for understanding that. For example, uh, generally anything that kind of comes through urgent in the afternoon, evening, because of my brain injury, if it's kind of intense, she thrives in the afternoon, uh, evening work-wise. So she'll often take lead on that where in the morning i'll generally take lead on that and but yeah it depends on the actual division of labor that we kind of have but yeah it's one of those definite nuances that i don't think will work for every relationship it's just something that works really well for us and i, I wouldn't want it any other way personally like i i love working and uh doing life with her so it's yeah it's amazing yeah, I wasn't you know intending to pry there, but I think it's just an interesting angle to this conversation. Certainly, you know, and the people maybe entertaining that notion of maybe getting into business with their partners and what that would look like. You know, what are the challenges? What are the opportunities in terms of doing something like that? And uh, yeah, I, I certainly appreciate uh, your honesty in, in providing that answer for people and insights, at least. Another challenge I just thought of as well is something we're thinking about now is like we want to go on a holiday, and. It's really hard when you're running multiple businesses to pick a time where you can both go on holiday because there's always things that need to be done. So there's definitely nuances in that. Uh, so there's definitely something you need to consider if you are looking at doing that because it does put a spanner in the works. You know, it's, we, we create systems so we do take the breaks and just making sure we design our businesses in an intentional way that allows us to do that. But it is big nuance that you need to understand going into it because yeah, it's a hard one. Well, in returning to the business itself, you know, as far as you know, what you do, certainly it's built off the latest scientific research, technologies, you mentioned wearables, and, and we've, we've spoken about technology already to a certain degree. You know, I'd imagine that presents a lot of reward and also some challenges as well. Technology is ever evolving. You've got to be constantly updating, you know, what the latest research and, and learnings are that fit into for example, your your own philosophical models or your own practices. Like, what is that like? Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that aspect of your business. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I I thrive on. I'm like, learner is my top strength. So I, I just love to absorb information and and just figure out how to bring that into my life and my clients' lives and just to really enhance them and support them. However, I think the biggest frustration that both me and Rage feel is being on the bleeding edge is tough because we find we're three to five years ahead of the masses and it's really hard to find out people, especially in a small country like New Zealand. Hence why we work with mostly Australasia so we can actually broaden our horizons and actually find the people that are at the top level that understand what we're trying to do. So the, I suppose the hardest thing for us is waiting for everybody to catch up and the fatigue that we feel by educating, 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 and then three to five years, they finally catch up and we've already moved on. And it's really hard from a business standpoint to, I suppose, get scale when you're continually waiting for people to catch up. And when they do catch up, you're bored. And I don't want to do anything I'm bored by, so I, I move on. And I, I suppose that would probably be the biggest frustration about being on the bleeding edge of yeah, science and technology. Yeah, you must be having to dial it back consistently to the point of which your customers are at, but then full well knowing that the actual you know capabilities are well over. We're well beyond that already, but you just have to kind of bring them along slowly. Okay. 
It's extremely frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> you got to meet them where they're at. And I imagine that too would also be a reflection of modern health systems that are already in place right now that what they're promoting is probably much, much different than what you know, the latest, latest scientific research really is, is indicating of what we should be doing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, it's, yeah, instead of three to five years, you're probably looking at 10 to 15 years behind. That's no fault of their own. The fact is the system is such a behemoth of a system. And I, I really do think the doctors and like, everyone in the medical system is there for the right intention, but the system just doesn't support them. It is too big to change and evolve with the, the latest science. So for that reason, we try to stay outside of the system so we can help support people in the way that we know that they need because the system is just too slow moving and it's not up to date. So it's a, it's a frustrating process again, but again, it's no fault of their own. It's just, there's a whole, it's a big machine to get the cogs turning. At different points that probably there'd be niche segments of the population that would fully be aware of this and would be attracted to a business like yours that is zagging, you know, in a different direction as opposed to, to zigging in this way. Or is that something that you also find that, that occurs, like people that are seeking you out that want the latest as well? Absolutely. And that's, those are our people, right? Like the ones that know there's something else out there and that there's something not quite right. Those are the people that we serve. Could you give me really quickly an example of of something, you know, in, in that realm that somebody would be seeking you out for that they'd be struggling with within traditional healthcare models or systems? Yeah, so especially in the optimization space, so, you know, the elite athletes or the executives, they may go to their doctor and want to better understand their health. So in particular, in New Zealand, it's really hard to get testing done. So if you want to just get some basic bloods done to understand now, how is everything going and have a conversation with your doctor around being preemptive, it is a frustrating process because they just won't do anything for you and they'll argue to why it's important to do and they don't seem to understand the, the importance of being preemptive or the system just doesn't allow them to support the being preemptive. So well, oftentimes they'll come to us and say, I just want to know where I'm at and how I'm tracking and then I want to be able to get this baseline and build upon this and you know, start refining everything and making sure that I live a long, healthy life because I, I know something's not right, but everything in the uh, normalized ranges, like, you know, from the blood test they maybe did do is normal, but they're not looking at the full gambit of everything that's going on. So things do get lost. And so what we do is we, we make sense of all that and do all those testing so we can understand how we can best support them but not by overwhelming them, just, you know, finding that one thing and building upon that. I mean, that approach just seems to make too much sense. And you, you can only hope that that's where modern healthcare is heading towards because, yeah, I mean, with the amount of information, even for, for a lay person like myself and listening to you speak and doing a bit of research on this, I mean, it just makes way too much sense, as I said, to, to not be doing something like that, to learning how we can be optimizing, what, we, what, we, what our true potential really is. And the fact that we don't have systems in place to really leverage that data or knowledge seems a bit ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, I do hope that, <laughs> that things are, are moving that direction eventually. And hopefully, you know, you and your company are, are helping to, to spearhead that cause. But maybe we could shift on over to this middle segment, a water cooler story segment. And here I just ask, you know, guests to indulge listeners with the story related to their work and really curious to hear what you have for us today, Luke. So 
In regards to that, I've like I said, I've had a number of mishaps which kind of led me to delving deeper into helping myself to help more people. So I guess with the water cooler story, I'd probably talk about when I was doing my kind of Ironmans and 70.3s and triathlon in general. And I was over in Indonesia racing an iron, uh, a 70.3, so a half Ironman. And I was 70Ks into the bike and came around a corner. I was having my best race. I was trying to qualify for world champs at the time. I was right on point doing everything I wanted to do. And yeah, 70Ks onto the bike, came around a corner. I don't recall what happened here. But what I've been told after the fact is I tried to bunny hop to uh, speed bumps on my TT bike, my time trial bike, and apparently my front wheel hit the second one and it went flying over headfirst into a curb at 60 k's an hour. Um, I was at a crash site there for about 20 minutes. And uh, I apparently was just repeating myself over and over, is my bike okay? How am I going? And I can't remember what the other question was now, but apparently I just said the same questions over and over. So the volunteers like, bring the doctor in and Indonesia, the doctor's like, you know, if you want to keep going, keep going. And I don't recall any of this, but I just apparently grabbed my stuff and put it in my pockets and jumped back oh on my, my bike. And yeah, that was quite a scary part because I don't remember the rest of the bike. And my computer told me the multiple times I went over 60 Ks an hour on a bike that cost me five grand to get fixed. So close to a ride off of a bike. And I came to and transition and was confused as you would be with a head injury and loss of consciousness and just okay i'm here let's keep going and uh, finish off the uh, the half marathon um in 40 degree heat blood coming down my neck and back and i'm just confused and just keeping going because i don't realize i lost 20 minutes at the crash site i was still wanting to pace and i'm going slower than i was but i don't know what i'm doing so i'm just going through the motions and yeah, finished off the race and pretty much collapsed across the line. And that set off a whole process of understanding brain health and in particular how to recover a brain. But what I've since learned from that is recovering a brain is the same things as enhancing the brain for optimization. So what I've learned there has actually helped support me with supporting my executive and athletes okay uh, to help, help optimize their potential okay in, in what ways uh, it's just better understanding the pathways and how to support brain health because again it's those fundamental things if we can get those fundamental sort of things sorted in the brain is going to help enhance its potential and understand that neurons that wire together fire together so really creating strong neural patterns and uh, and training those into place and understanding neural feedback yeah, there's a whole host of technologies in which we can help support it and just through general nutrition side of things. And I was quite thankful. I was actually doing my master's in uh, lion's mane, which is Hirsomeronaceae, which is a mushroom. And that is very neurogenic and neuroprotective. And so, yeah, literally as I had my crash, I was doing my master's in that. So thankfully I had a tool with me already to support me. And yeah, very thankful for that. And I, I suppose it led me more and less of the optimization, but more the healing side. But then I realized that all. So you have truly lived like all of it, you know, in terms of like rehabbing yourself physically, you know, mentally, and it must be a true treat for a lot of your clients to be able to tap into that knowledge base. And again, knowing that it's coming from somebody who's, who's absolutely lived it to the fullest and and knows what it's like, knows the experience, and and how to to, to pull oneself out of some of these challenging circumstances and endpoints within their lives, you know, and there must be crossover there at different points for people in, in getting to know your story. 
Yeah, I think people definitely appreciate the empathy that I can provide and just really understanding the situations with which they're dealing with. And But we all have our own struggles and some are more visible than others. And yeah, I'm just thankful to be able to hopefully be a guiding light for my clients. Well, thanks for sharing that story there. We do have one last segment here, Luca, crystal ball segment. As the name implies, we're looking to the future trends, predictions, so on and so forth. And as often the case, I mean, the segment AI is what typically comes up quite a bit. And I'd be curious to hear about how you foresee AI affecting your company in terms of your mission, maybe your company's capabilities and potential outcomes. What would you say to that? Yeah, like AI is a big part of what we do uh, and what we're creating with understanding and interpreting all the bio data to really help enhance people's health span, I guess. So, yeah, I think the key thing that we find with AI and something that's probably not being done too well as it stands right now is everything is open source. So really using closed source, like really focusing on privacy in particular. So with the AI in which we are creating, um, we're really focusing on being able to give the clients their own data and the control of their own data. It's all anonymized. They hold the key. They can pull the key at any time. And really understanding that we're too often we're just giving our data out. But when it comes to health data, it is so critical. We need to hold on to that and look after that. So really giving the clients the control of that is really important to us uh, because I think there's a bit too much uh, wide sharing. And I think we've started to see what that the implications of that over the last few years. In terms of, I guess, some of the, the capabilities AI offers to your clients, any specific examples of what you could share with us there? Yeah, so for what we do right now is we digest a lot of biodata and clinical diagnostics, wearables, multiple sources and multiple threads. And it's quite complicated. And there's only a few of us that can really, really digest all that kind of information. So it's hard to to reach scale in that regard. So what AI is going to provide us is provide us scale to be able to digest more information from various threads and really help encapsulate it into an easily interpretable form for our clients to help help them support their lives and also more frequently as well because obviously AI doesn't turn off where we need sleep and <laughs> so a beautiful thing where we can really get an engine working for us guided by us of course but making sure that it's doing the right things and giving the right information and supporting the clients in the best way possible. Would it be something along the lines of like in terms of taking on all this data from the wearable technology itself from some of the blood samples perhaps and all those other tests that you're running on these individuals creating for example training plans for individuals or sleeping schedules or is that what it's kind of amounting to like these these really tailored sort of approaches to each individual that wasn't a play on words there (laughs) (laughs) gotta use what you yeah yeah of course so yeah like for us it's really it's it's even more individualized it's pulling in everything from understanding your schedule, for example, you may have, uh, you know, a low heart rate variability and a high resting heart rate, as we talked about earlier, and blood oxygen may be tanking. There's all these metrics pointing out that your your energy is tanking. And I look in the AI looks into your calendar and sees you've got a whole bunch of heavy strategic cognitive load meetings, which is just going to be really challenging for you. So it's providing strategies to either help support that or to unload that to ensure that you're optimized. So it's really looking at the whole person and their whole, like the whole life, not just these are the health practices, irrespective of your, your life. 
So I was really looking at the calendar and everything to bring it in and make sense of it all. Yeah, absolutely love it. I mean, this is exactly where we should be right now. And uh, you know, we were just speaking about that a few minutes earlier. Where, where healthcare needs to be going right now, not 10, 15 years down the road. You know, and it, I can imagine too, like you'd mentioned already, it being frustrating to understand what the capabilities are. Like we can do this right now, yet the system isn't exactly in place to allow for that or to facilitate that in, in, in an easier, straightforward manner, it would seem. So yeah, I can, I can share your frustration even on a really simplistic basis of, of this conversation and learning what I've learned and, and whatnot. So yeah. I think the other key thing is, you know, it's hard when they have such scale and so much money coming in. And I, I just really wish they would look at the, the data because the data is pretty clear. If preventive is going to save you so much money, but the way everything's structured, it's all retrospective and it's hard to compete, but it's also an opportunity, I guess. There's a massive opportunity out there that they, that just really needs to be helping people be the best people they can be. Well, that might be a nice point to, uh, to draw things to a close here. But Luke, I must say, I've really enjoyed this conversation from start to finish. I can't believe we've blown through it this quickly. Thanks so much for your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Now, for those interested in learning more about Luke and his work, you can do so via his company, Taylor Tech. You can also find him on the platforms LinkedIn and Instagram. And for reference, all this information, including links, will be in the show notes. And I mean, if you'd like today's show, please be sure to tell a friend and share. You can also show further support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you access your podcasts. And then lastly, as I mentioned off the top, head on over to YouTube. I will have some highlights, video highlights from the conversation today. So you can kind of take it in a different manner. And if you do, I really appreciate that like or subscribe. And don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.